0: to another episode of Downton Gabby. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Today we're going to talk about the women of the West starting with the new Netflix series Godless and then some other westerns that include women and then we go farther west to Sacramento to talk about the new film Lady Bird written and directed by Greta Gerwig and finally another installment of One Fabulous Thing. I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. Brandy in Los Angeles.
1: Shannon in Oakland.
0: Uh, before we, we get to the topic at hand, we have a few follow-ups uh, on some of series that we've talked about in the past. The Crown is coming, season two. Are we excited? Absolutely. I mean, is Meghan Markle going to be in this season? <laughs> That's my
2: main
1: question. <laughs> Do you think Suits is going to get like so many plays now, like on Netflix, because it's like finally someone has a reason to care about Suits?
2: Uh, I know that her Hallmark movie where she fell in love with someone on the 4th of July called When Sparks Fly should totally get
0: (laughs) Oh, Brandy. I'm glad someone's watching Hallmark channel. Okay, so The Crown is coming back on December 8th on Netflix. We're very excited. Um, Victoria, season two, is debuting on PBS in January And Call the Midwife is going to be having its holiday special, which used to be called the Christmas
1: special, but the holiday special uh, later this year. I'm very excited for The Crown Season 2, and I was also very excited to see the casting for who is going to play Elizabeth as she gets older, um, who is the woman from The Night Manager. Olivia Coleman. (gasps) Lovely. So she'll be Season 3. That's great. Yeah, she's such a fantastic actor, so it's going to be really wonderful uh, to see her step into the role.
0: Okay, so those are some of the shows we're really looking forward to coming up. Another show that we were incredibly looking forward to that we've been talking about literally for weeks and weeks and weeks and built a whole podcast around was Godless, which just premiered on Netflix. So... I don't know if you all got the incessant marketing from Godless, but we all did, and they made it look like a Western that was all about the women of this town. Badass women running a town with no men around, defending it from the bad guys, and we were like in heaven anticipating this. We were so excited. And it stars Michelle Dockery, so it's a whole package. Well, so... (laughs) Uh, pour one out for
2: that show that doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> yeah, we really wish that that was the show that we had gotten from Netflix, but unfortunately, um, that's not actually what the show is about. The show is about a lot of guys. So in the many wise. guys. So Just, many guys.
1: I mean, the whole trailer's a lie, including the mine didn't kill every man. When that guy shows up, Is the lone survivor of the mine? I was like, that's it. Not one single thing was correct in this trailer.
2: The lone survivor of the mine, well, plus the sheriff, plus the deputy, plus the barkeep, plus the shopkeep, plus the other old guys that are hanging around. I mean, just... And that's just in the town. That's not even before the two separate sets of shitty outlaws slash businessmen start coming down on the town. And then, like, a whole other set of just, like, another village that's nearby. I mean, at least those guys aren't white, but it's still not what we were promised. And the friggin' slogan of the show was, this is truly no man's
0: land. You, you don't get to make that pun and then give me this. I'm sorry. <laughs> In fact, it's many men's land. Many men. And each one has at least one long speech. Some of them have many long speeches. Uh, most of them have some kind of daddy issues. So, it's not the show we were promised. But... We're we're still want to we still want to talk about it because it's interesting and um, let's talk about the things that we like about this show because a lot of people have really liked this show um, and also I'm gonna say that the people I know who've really liked the show got completely different marketing than we did and it was very clear in their marketing that the show was all about a bunch of guys making speeches with guns. Yeah,
2: I really think that we got targeted. I swear. I mean, like, why am I seeing these Facebook ads, but other people are seeing Jeff Daniels' face? You know, I never, I didn't even know he was in the show, because
1: all I had seen was Michelle Dockery and the other women. Yeah. Literally, I couldn't believe it in the trailer, I mean, literally, I couldn't believe it in the pilot episode that there were so many men, because I was like, I didn't even see one man in the entire trailer. So I guess this is the Russians, this is their next step, is just really confuse <laughs> right. people on what shows they're about to watch and make them really frustrated. And that's going to take well, down democracy. Well, this is how you <laughs> really
2: start a civil war yeah. in the U.S. You just piss people off about their Netflix.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I, there were so many women holding guns. Even the picture on Netflix of the show was a woman in a corset with guns around her waist. And it's like, where are these guns? Where are the women holding the guns? Where are the corsets with a gun next to it? These are my questions. I don't care about a guy getting fucking glasses. You know, give me a woman and a gun. It's
0: all I want. So, So this is this really weird phenomenon of this kind of like feminist targeted marketing selling a show that is not actually particularly feminist, frankly, and is not focused on the women, even though I'm still seeing Netflix advertising that claims it is.
1: Well, I like the women, so I'm going to start there. Um, The few that are there are wonderful. I mean, Michelle Dockery. Fuck, she's great. I mean, she's so great in that role. I just want, like, 50 times more of her. But she's fantastic. She is such presence and strength and I know Brandy you talked about that you really liked her whole family unit is really interesting
2: yeah her son her mother-in-law who are Native Americans I mean that I I would watch a whole show just about them surviving out on the land you know
0: yeah and, and I have to say her her mother-in-law is played by a woman named Tantu Cardinal who has been uh, a Canadian actress for a very long time. Oh yeah, uh, she is a national I'm sure, treasure.
2: I'm sure Americans mostly just know her from Dances with Wolves back in the day. But. Yeah,
0: exactly. But actually, she's an incredibly accomplished Canadian actress. She won the she she was given the Order of Canada, which is a really high honor. So she's a really um, cool. And when I saw her name in the credits, I was just like, oh wow,
2: that's I thought cool. her her performance was so fun. But then I, I was pissed, and I and I think this is this might feel super nitpicky, but I think it speaks to the bigger problem, which is that when it's just her and Alice, Michelle Dockery's character, talking in, in their native in her native language, um, we'll get subtitles telling us what they're talking about. But when there's Roy there who doesn't understand, all the subtitles say is they're speaking in this. Mm. And we see it from his perspective, and then somebody translates for him. So the scene is about him. It's not about them. Uh, and that, when, when I noticed that, I was just like, wow. Because I'll bet nobody even really thought about it.
1: That's really interesting. I did not notice that. that that's fascinating.
0: I I noticed the inconsistency in the subtitles, but I didn't realize that it's all his POV. But in fact, that really makes sense for the whole series that the POV seems almost always whenever possible of the guy in in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, Michelle Dockery, I really had my doubts after Downton Abbey ended, like where she was going to go, what she was going to do. And I, I I'm, I'm just so impressed by her range and I'm so impressed by the projects she's chosen. And she looked great. Like she was like dirty. <laughs> her hair was messy. She still looked amazing. I'm
2: pretty sure that they superimposed like actual crows feet on her face that don't exist because she's a porcelain doll. <laughs> like, like she like wanted to like look worse. But yeah, I mean she's wonderful. I've said multiple times I think good behavior is a fantastic show. Her performance on there is insane, and also, uh, I swear, she could give Claire Danes a run for her money on the, like, instant cry face as well on that
1: show. (laughs) I would love to see her play, I mean, we're going to talk about her reimagining of the show. I'm going to just say, early on, I would love to see her as a villain. I mean, I think she could have been, I mean, get the fuck Jeff Daniels out of here. That's just a given. What if she was like the man in black in Westworld? She's the villain, you know? I mean, that would be really interesting, you know, uh taking revenge for her husband that was killed. She could do that so well.
0: I
2: I love that idea so much.
0: That would be great. You know the whole the whole town thinks she's a witch and that she put a curse on various people who were, you know, claiming her land. And it would be great if that was all true.
1: She could be such an amazing villain that you also empathize with a bit. Yeah, I mean, she was shortchanged. I mean, she just needed way more scenes. I mean, she could have used an actor who could actually act instead of that guy that played Roy Good, you know, pretty boy over there who didn't do much with anything.
2: Yeah, her is the villain and Merritt Weaver's character as, like, instead of the sheriff's sister, the actual fucking sheriff.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, imagine that show, and it's like they agree on so much, but there's this fundamental difference between us that that between them that's put them on opposite sides. Give me that
0: yeah the the, the Michelle Dockery Merritt Weaver show would, <laughs> would have been great, yeah, I loved Merritt Weaver also i I think she's great, she's great, like wherever, but she was so good in this, and um, you know, Merritt Weaver in her dead husband's clothes looked great.
2: Oh, she was the best. And just, like,
0: refusing to ever
2: wear a skirt again. Dating the town's richest whore turned school teacher. I mean, the two of them had so much chemistry together. I was annoyed that they got one of these silly little, like, misunderstanding. I know what I saw. Oh, you think you know what you saw. Kind of stories uh, to mess up a romance, which is just one of my least favorite things. That kind of jumping to conclusions story uh but when they were you know having their sort of declaring to each other of their feelings it was hot it was really hot it was oh,
0: unexpectedly yeah. hot i was not expecting that scene uh what what's the line i can i know where you are in the dark what what was the line i
2: could find you in the dark because she's been talking about how she knows the taste of her the smell of her oh, yeah of her. I, <laughs> I mean it was it was real good. Oh, nice. I'm getting
0: goosebumps. I'm just getting shivers. Uh, yeah, that was a really good scene. I think that the, when we were allowed to spend time with these women, it was it was really interesting.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And,
0: and there were so
2: many that seemed like they were more on the edges, and they would have been so interesting if we had gotten more from them. Like, there's this weird kind of comic relief with this woman who uh, never wears clothes and only speaks German. Uh-huh. But, like... But
0: once you learn more about her, it's so interesting, except for, like, then it's gone. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And then there are other women in the town who look like we're about to get to know them, and then we never really do. They're just always kind of on the periphery.
2: Yeah. And then you get um, the only woman of color besides uh, Alice's mother-in-law out in the um, village where the black people live, and... Her only purpose is basically to just make the town deputy sad that he can't date her. I mean, and she seemed like a very charming actress too. So I'm like, keep, like all of this should have more, more, more. Instead of yet another monologue about how Frank Griffin has seen his own death.
0: I'm watching the show. I don't even know if Jeff Daniels is in it. And I have, and I, I have been a huge Jeff Daniels fan. Oh
2: yeah, I like him in general, mm-hmm. just not in this. but
0: but I, the the first scene where you see him and he's sitting there in the in the doctor's house and he's about to make his first speech, just my heart sank. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It it was just.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this was a show about finally getting Jeff Daniels his Emmy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, exactly. it was just our
1: show was hijacked. You know, I mean, even like thinking about Deadwood and Westworld, who these stories, well, Westworld, you could say is about a woman because Dolores is kind of the lead. But Deadwood definitely is more about the men. But those women were more fleshed out, had more agency, had more to do. Give us the premise. Can we just let someone else just write the show that we thought it was going to be? Because I don't want to get rid of that premise. That premise was great. These people just fucked it up, but.
2: I am really hoping that someone out there is working on the fanfic of filling in the two years after this mining accident before the show starts. That's the interesting part. How did they come up with a new hierarchy? How did they move on from that? I'm just thinking there's so much stuff you could do for um, each episode. Like, what did it look like when they would have to decide to, you know, have an election with no men? Something like that, like, like I just, uh, whole, you could have a whole campaign, <laughs> I mean.
0: Yeah, um, build, building the church.
2: Yeah, building the church, the imagery of that was so wonderful, but then it's like, what made them decide as a group that they were going to do this? How, how did they go there? How did they decide, like, what jobs the prostitutes were going to have now, that they're, <laughs> that, that <laughs> job is obsolete, yeah. Uh, so many things how how did the, they deal with the, the now being able to raise their children any way that they wanted I, I mean there's just a lot of a lot of questions that could have been really a lot more interestingly explored um and instead you know we got two groups of men against each other with the women in the middle just because they have this mind that's worth money
0: i i would have really liked the central conflict of the show to be The women who have built up this town and made it run well and were thriving, and then the mining company that comes in and is trying to buy the mine and basically take over the town. And I think that would have been a really great central conflict, which, you know, you get like a taste of when they're at the negotiating table with the representative from the mine. But... You know, there are enough bad guys in that group. But
2: imagine, too, even that version of the show where the mining company has a woman with it, too. Like, even if it's just the main guy's wife who's trying to, like, ingratiate herself in this town or something. How interesting would those levels get?
1: This is how you start it. The pilot is the mining accident. You get to see life before all the men go to work. They all die. You know, the world has changed for the women. Then they have to set up their new systems. But then, these band of outlaws hear about a town where there's no men, and of course all they want to do is come rape all the women. And you know what? The women don't want to be raped. So there's one woman that knows how to shoot a gun. She teaches all the other women. They, you know, they hunker down in the town and they beat the outlaws.
3: That's so
2: the, the writer-director, Scott Frank, is a incredibly established writer in Hollywood and has done a lot of stuff I, I quite like, particularly um, Out of Sight. And uh, uh, he was also the writer on Minority Report, which I think is a great movie. And, you know, he, he just does a lot of those, like, kind of sleek interesting twist on a popcorn-y concept kind of things. And that was another reason why, even though, you know, I would love to see this, you know, written and directed by women, I was thinking I would like it because I generally really like his work. But I heard him on a podcast talking about this, and he said that um, it had been a script kicking around Hollywood for like 10 years. Um, You know, he works with Steven Soderbergh a lot. They tried to get it made. He tried to get it made with um, Sam... Uh, Sam Mendes and uh, Kate Wenslett, when they were married, which would not that have been interesting. Um, and then Net- when Netflix bought it, it was still a movie script, and they told him to turn it into a miniseries. So that was really interesting for me to hear, because while I was watching it, I really felt like it was basically two stories crammed together. It was this these outlaws tracking down their defector, And then the other story was the mining company and the town and they really like don't go together very well. And so I I think if I had to guess, I would guess that the Roy Moore, Frank Griffin stuff was the movie and he added everything else in from there to make it a mini series. That's what that would be my hypothesis.
0: Very interesting. I would agree with you. And that's, based on an interview I heard with Scott Frank on the radio uh, before this premiered, and the woman interviewing him was, and she hadn't seen it, she had just read the marketing, she referred to it as a feminist Western. And he was, like, trying to be kind of diplomatic about it, but he said, you know, I was really interested in this idea of fathers and sons, and I think that the, the, you know, the feminist town of women. You know, that's like the shiny thing that people mm-hmm. are interested in. <laughs> the shiny thing that people are interested in, but it it was clear that that was not his story, that that's not what he had originally set out to do and not what he was frankly, I think particularly that interested in telling that story.
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, th- and that's okay if he doesn't want to tell that story. Mm-hmm. I'm just really pissed at Netflix for making me think that that's what I was going to get. Yeah.
0: It's the shiny thing. It's it's really flattering yeah. that that you know companies feel like marketing feminism is going to, you know, <laughs> sell stuff. I mean, th- we've come a long way, baby, when when that's the when that's the hook, you know, hey, it's feminist. Um so that's fascinating to me. Great. Well,
2: Netflix, I have an actual feminist pilot I can sell you if you're listening. <laughs> it's set on a space station. It's very diverse. Give me a call.
1: And it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, Shannon's read Oh, it. I want to it's
1: read good. it. I want to read it. Well, I am really looking forward to Westworld Season 2 because just that quick trailer that they showed at Comic-Con months ago... Seeing Dolores riding on a horse with her gun is everything that I want. So I'm going to get my fix. It's just not going to be from Godless.
2: Yeah. I would say also you're not going to get your Netflix level production values. But if what you really want is a a sassy woman with a gun in a Western style story killing stuff, um, the series Winona Earp is very fun and entertaining um, it's, it's set in the present day, but, you know, she's Wyatt Earp's descendant killing the demons who are rising from everyone mm. he killed back in the day. And it's, it's, it's super fun. And it's sexy. So. Alright. You know, I would say give that a shot on Netflix next. People who are disappointed in godless and want, and, you know, just really want good women shooting stuff. Uh, when, when we first conceived of this topic before we realized we were gonna have to veer in another direction, uh. We, I also watched the movie Jane Got a Gun, finally,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which was famously taken over by a male director from Lynn Ramsey like two days before uh, shooting. Oh my was God, it's a disaster. Starting. So, a disaster. But um, I think you could make an argument, but my interpretation was actually that the gun in the title is the dude that she goes and gets. Yeah. It's basically Jane got a gun slinger mm. to come help her out. And I was so annoyed once I figured out that that was really what was going down. And that I think that, like, that... I want to move on from that being a woman with agency. Oh, she has to go seek out the person who will help her. Isn't she brave? Why can't she just help herself? The stuff that he does is just some little, like, tricks to blow some stuff up on her land. I mean... She could have had those skills. There's no reason not to let her be the one to have those skills. And yet, those are not the stories we're getting.
0: And it's up to her in the end anyway. Like, like when all is said and done, it comes down to her and her tormentor, basically. And I think she does a great job
2: you know not before we have to get our obligatory scene which we get there and we get here and godless of the nice dude love interest from the past coming and saving her from a rapist you know the perpetual scene we have to always have
0: yeah although i i i I was kind of digging joel edgerton like Oh I have a very, have a very <laughs> warm place in my heart or somewhere for Joel Edgerton. So I didn't entirely mind having to look at him for an entire movie, but I I don't I, just,
2: I don't mind. I just wish that he could be the one taking the orders instead of the other way around.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I really wanna watch a movie that doesn't
1: piss me off in some way. I have one for you. It's an old movie called Lady Snowblood. Oh, yeah, you've been pushing that one. Yeah, and she is a total lady samurai bent on revenge, and it is fucking great. I know you've mentioned that one before, so... I think it I was on Hulu or Netflix, so it might still be on there.
0: So if you're if you're looking for a movie about a woman with agency uh, and a whole lot of other things, that's not going to piss you off. Uh, we all saw the film Lady Bird, which is written and directed by Greta Gerwig. And uh, we all uh, had such strong feelings about it in a completely different way than godless that we we really wanted to talk about it. So who wants to start us off?
1: Well, instead of fathers and sons, we get mothers and daughters. (laughs) So that's like
2: the first note. Infinitely more interesting to me.
1: (laughs) An infinitely
0: less explored territory.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean Laurie Metcalf well, has to get a best supporting actress oh nomination. She this, has right?
1: to. And you know the scene they're going to show is when she's crying in the car. It's like so fucking good in her face. She doesn't even speak oh barely and
2: it was just like, "Oh my god, my heart, my heart." I was my like, heart, oh, my heart.
1: "That's her Oscar reel. That's what they're going to send in and it's so good. She is just so perfect and I God, it was like almost a perfect film, and I don't often say that because I'm hypercritical, and I just love. The so
2: shit out of it. I will say, I mean, it's an imperfect metric. I know this, but um, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Lady Bird, just today or yesterday, as we're recording this, became um, the movie with the most certified reviews to still be at one hundred percent fresh. It passed, I believe, Toy Story three. So it's officially in the pantheon of Rotten Tomatoes, the best movie ever. <laughs>
0: wow. That's amazing, actually. That's so interesting. And for folks who may not uh, know what Lady Bird is about, because it's not released widely yet, um, it is. Uh, it centers on this uh, high school student who has decided everyone needs to call her Lady Bird, and it's really about her final year of high school and trying to figure out who she is and what she wants to do. And part of that involves uh, a, a real like love-hate relationship with her mom, um, and really interesting things with her best friend and uh, a couple of boys. And it's just uh, it's just the most beautifully observed coming of age film of a young woman Mm -hmm. that, I mean, it's, it's gotta be one of the best I've ever seen and it's delightful and it's moving. Uh, I was in an audience almost entirely full of women and there was some point where like everyone was crying (laughs) in the audience. Um, but it was just wonderful. I was just, I was watching it and just, I was just pure, like feeling pure joy watching this movie.
2: I would say it is the best, female-centric coming-of-age story I've seen that isn't, like, tragic either in some way. You know, usually they're all about, like, oh, my pregnancy and I got kicked out. Or, like, you know, there's always, like, something like that. And these are just, like, real uh, everyday life what feels like a tragedy when you're 17 and still, and still then when you're 27 or 37, like the boy turns out to be an asshole, you know, like stuff like that, you know, the everyday life, you can't make this other person in your family understand you no matter how hard you try that kind of everyday tragedy. Um, And just realized with such care for the characters and so much style, like I just really want her to get a directing nomination Mm -hmm. because I've never seen a movie quite like this yeah it's stylistically and structurally either it's not just about the characters and the performances
1: it actually like reminded me a lot of napoleon dynamite but like sincere but seriously it was like oh my god this is such a great movie about like the misfits in high school and but it was sincere and lovable
0: (laughs) yeah and, and it's funny i mean there's a lot of it that's just so delightful and so funny And um, you know all all the supporting cast is is fantastic. And as soon as you see her go up to the boy smoking a cigarette, reading Howard Zinn's People's History (laughs) of the United States, you just know what's coming, and you want to say, "Girl, we know you're gonna date him. We know it's not gonna turn out well, but you know life lessons are important. You gotta learn." I
1: leaned over to Brandy and I said, "Oh, I would have had a crush on that guy."
0: Oh, my God, yeah, totally. It was so relatable in that way. And the other guy, too, and, you know, I won't say too much about him, but, I mean, in the same way, I'm like, oh, girl, (laughs) you know. I love. it. Oh, honey. So funny. I
2: think particularly, I mean, uh... I don't think you need to be able to re- relate directly for this to be a wonderful movie, but, I mean, Lady Bird is actually in the movie maybe, maybe a year or two years younger than Shannon and I are, so, like... The songs that we're playing, the things people were talking about, like, everything was, like, my high oh school my experience as well.
1: <laughs> I mean, when... It was a love song to our generation. It absolutely was.
2: Uh, it was so wonderful in that way. Like, every... The, she walks into the party and the song that's playing is Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River, which I remember, like... Yeah. <laughs> I remember that song came out. That album came out. So, yeah, we must be two years older than her because I was 19, And my friends and I all drove up to Canada for the weekend so we could drink. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the soundtrack to us feeling like the coolest people in the world, putting on our cute outfits and going out to the club to have a drink while Justin Timberlake was playing. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was just, oh, the perfect song.
0: I got to say the fact that it's got such a massively good Rotten Tomatoes rating means that this is... um, this has a wide audience this has a really wide audience that is loving it um which makes me very happy and i hope it gets a wider release and i hope it gets more publicity because i think this is a movie that everyone should see honestly i
2: think it will i mean it's a24 releasing it right so i mean they they know how to market like they this is what they do they get their buzz Then it goes wide, right in time for everyone to be talking about it. Saoirse Ronan's already been nominated for an Oscar twice. There's no way she's not getting a third one for this. I would bet money on it now. I mean, yeah. So it's going to be available in other cities. And, I mean, I I heard people of all ages talking at work on Monday. So many people in LA had seen it over Thanksgiving weekend. And everyone loved it. Everyone I worked with loved it. Yeah,
0: I went to see it with a friend of mine who... So I'm older than you guys, so that's not really my teenage years, but it was completely relatable to me. And I saw it with a friend of mine who's 20 years older than me, and she was totally (laughs) into it. So, yeah, we were... That's wonderful. yeah, Yeah, it was really wonderful.
2: It's universal, yeah.
1: Just give me fucking a school dance. Just give me that, like just give me like that weird moment with your best friend in high school, but it's going to work out. Like, I just think stranger things, lady bird. We want things that feel familiar and feel a little safer, to be honest.
0: I, the screening I saw actually Greta Gerwig was there and she did a Q and a afterwards. And uh, yeah, thank you, Melissa Silverstein. It was a, <laughs> she, a woman in Hollywood organized a screening. Uh, And uh, and Greta Gerwig was there and Melissa interviewed her afterwards. Yeah, it was magical, honestly. Did you see the photo of
2: Greta Gerwig when they were filming the prom scene and she had worn a prom dress to direct the scene? I was just like, this is amazing. Like that is like, I'd like imagine being like, I want all my teen actors to be like in the moment with me. So I'm going to wear a prom dress too. She's, like, a male director couldn't even... No. Like, you
0: couldn't even do that? No, but, you know, she talks a lot about Mike Mills. You know, she was in 20th Century Women, and uh, mm-hmm. she talks a lot about mm-hmm. Mike Mills and the way he ran his set and how much she admires him and how much she admires the way that he worked with actors. She, she just really admires him and, I think, took a lot of things uh, from working on that film with him uh, just in terms of how to make the set a happy and comfortable place because... You, you have to have a happy, comfortable set.
2: I want her to get a Best Director nomination. And I want her and Dee Reese for Mudbound to both get Best Director nominations. Because it's about time we open this field up and get some more women. Some more women of color. Like, like... How I would I think I would literally cry if there were t- even just two out of five women in the best director category at the Oscars. Yeah,
1: that would be. I great. think
2: I would actually. You no,
1: know, at this point, we just want a little <laughs> bit of progress. We're not asking for a lot. We're not even asking for equality. Just a just little a little bit, bit of progress is all. Forty
2: percent is enough to reduce me to tears. Thank you. Right,
1: we'll
0: take it. Okay, so now we are uh, closing up this podcast with one fabulous thing uh brandy would you like to start
2: so also this weekend i watched a movie that's now on demand which i felt was uh would actually make a great double feature with (laughs) ladybird um because it's just about a young woman trying to find herself and this particular woman knows what she wants but has more like external obstacles and the movie was patty cakes uh, about a white girl in New Jersey who wants to be a rapper. And it is fantastic. I mean, it's your typical underdog structure. I mean, the the beats in the movie are not going to surprise you because it's, it's that movie. But it's about her and her friends who are all people of color. <laughs> and just, I mean, there's like barely any white dudes in this movie about realizing your musical dreams and where you want to go in life. It's just so good. And I feel like all the criticism I saw about it, a lot of people really liked it, and it was a big hit at Sundance, but then people were kind of like, yeah, but it's basic. It doesn't really give you anything new. I'm like, the characters are new. That That's enough. That's all I need. It's kind of like when Creed came out, and it was like uh, the same kind of structure as every sports boxing movie, but because... It was about a different kind of character. It was amazing. I, I I think more people need to watch these kind of movies and realize that we still have like so many opportunities that are going unrealized just with even within the structures and genres that are already familiar and, and lovable to us.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait to watch it. And I will piggyback off that, that Brandy and I watched Godless and we're pretty depressed. So then we went and watched Lady Bird, and then we're like, "Let's just keep this going." And then we watched the documentary Step, and then we watched the movie Laggies, and then you went home and watched. Patrick's. I mean, yeah. Wow, you had an amazing week. Yeah. So Step is a documentary that did really well at Sundance, and it's about this like ladies' leadership academy of Baltimore and it's this charter school where the goal is that all the girls will go to college and then they also have this step team so I mean I love anything about dance I love like these kind of sports movies where it's like we're going to come together as a team or we're going to play the big game or we're going to do the big routine so I'm like already sold plus you get to follow the stories of the different women and it was just so fantastic <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was great.
2: That was great. And the director Amanda Lippitz, that's her first feature documentary. I mean, I thought it was really pretty solid for that, you know?
1: Really yeah. well shot. Yeah. Wasn't too long. It was just it was just totally uplifting. Plus, you get great step dancing and like the end routine was awesome, which is like, you know, we're all in it for the end routine, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it was fantastic. And then we watched Laggies, which I've wanted to watch for I think it's been a couple of years now. It's Lynn Shelton's film with Kira Knightley and Chloe Moretz. Chloe, Grace, Chloe Grace Moretz. So it, it was totally delightful. It's like, Kira Knightley is like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And then she starts hanging out with this teenage girl, which is like a really strange premise. But it really works. I don't know. It was totally fun and delightful. There were the right kind of ramifications, and it all wraps up in the way. That you want, and I oh, don't it was very good. I really loved that movie. Like, when we watched it, I was like, that
2: was good. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I really loved that movie. I really want to watch it again. And I'm like, I, I love Lynn Shelton, and this was just one where, like, I hadn't seen it for some reason. Uh, I think, it, you know, it didn't, it came and went a little bit faster than some of her yeah. movies do. Um, it
1: didn't really have a release at all, and
2: people had said it was kind of like not as good as your sister's sister or whatever. And I thought it was great and
1: I liked it better than, yeah, I think I did
2: too. And I think a lot of that is about cast chemistry and a lot of that is about just like ways it surprises you. Um, Sam Rockwell as, um, Chloe Grace Mortz's dad is just wonderful.
0: Love Sam Um, Rockwell. Yeah. I, I, stellar.
1: Casting.
2: This is one where I'm like people need to go back and give this one a chance if you heard that it wasn't as good as her other stuff. I, I really disagree. I thought it was great.
1: This is like a perfect film when you're just feeling kind of shitty either emotionally or physically and you just want to watch like a really good rom-com. And it was great. It was totally wonderful. It was a dollar rental <laughs> on iTunes. Worth at least five Oh for sure. Rental. So I say check it out and just enjoy the shit out of it.
0: I have so many films to watch (laughs) this weekend. So, um, last but not least, my fabulous thing is something I'm about to do. I haven't done it yet, but I just know it's going to be fabulous. It's Downton Abbey, the exhibition, which. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so jealous. jealous. I got my $30 (laughs) ticket. Um, And I'm I'm going on my birthday as a birthday present to myself. And uh, if you all don't know what that is, it's this kind of like, quote unquote, immersive Downton Abbey experience in New York. And it's going to travel to other cities. Um, They've recreated the dining room fully set for a dinner. They have Lady Mary's room. They have the downstairs kitchen and room where everyone eats and hangs out and the wall with all the bells on it and then just tons and tons of just paraphernalia from the show including what looks like several dozen amazing dresses and outfits um so i'm i'm really uh very excited about this so can you can you like sit at the table can you ring the bell are you
2: allowed to touch stuff or is this like when you go to Versailles yeah I don't know like, what is this I don't
0: know because there's so much stuff like the table is full of everything and you know Lady Mary's little vanity has her mirror and comb. I want you to
2: like take a picture of yourself like brushing your hair <laughs> at her mirror like, yeah, like I want you to yeah. be like fully able to reenact stuff. I
1: know like open up the diaphragm <laughs> then have your friend take the picture
0: yeah 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 I don't know I don't know if they're like little ropes in front of things and you can't go in I'm not sure um I hope that I can like put my fingers all over things uh maybe try on try on a wedding dress or two
1: yeah if it was like an immersive experience and you could like you could, like, screw in a light bulb and there'd be, like, an actor that's playing Carson that would get so upset that there's, like, electricity Yeah, or you something. could go in and try He's out the toaster.
3: <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> there's a whole section that's about the appliances. Oh, you know, I think there might be because they do
0: have the whole kitchen, like, you know, redone. Oh, my birthday. God. I
1: just really hope you get to, like, fully go Mrs. Patmore <laughs> with the new appliances. Oh my god! Or is it going to be like when you go on those really bad boat tours and they have those like recordings of like <laughs> characters speaking? Like, are they just going to have like recordings of like the characters?
0: Well, from the show I talking? I think you can rent like an audio guide, uh, and so okay. you can oh, yeah, listen to of so telling you where you are, and I don't know. You have to
2: do all of it, or maybe it'll be a little bit more like when you go to Universal Studios and you're in Hogwarts Castle, but like you're not really allowed to touch anything, but it's still so cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so, it feels close, but it Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that sounds
2: really fun. I'm really well, jealous. Yeah, we, need, we need an update on the next episode. And they, supposedly they're going to bring this to other cities, so I'm like, it better be LA next. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. The plan Blind is down. to take it to other cities. And, apparently, you can rent the space for a private event. What? Yeah. Oh
1: my yeah. god.
0: So... Um, if you want to rent it for, like, some kind of, like, social event of some kind. Yeah, I do. Yeah. This is the first thing that's ever made me want to start a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so you can do that. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It says that it takes about 90 minutes to get through the whole thing. And you have to get time oh, really? timed wow. tickets. There's a, there's a shop at the end of it. Where I'm planning to buy your Christmas oh gifts, God. of course. And um, unfortunately, there's no restaurant. I thought there would be like a pub or a tea house or something. Oh, you go down to the pub. No, I know. So it's a kind of a drag. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can take photos, and uh, so yeah.
1: You wouldn't want to go to the pub though, because you just have to talk to Mr. Bates down there. <laughs> The only reason what I would
2: really want is if you could like have one of their like teas out in the garden, yeah like, that would be really mm-hmm. nice
1: so have you guys heard about this hotel they're making where it's like a Star Wars hotel and you get like a storyline like you it's like it's like kind of like a uh what do you call that larping so it's like it's like larping like you get like a storyline and it's all you know. So you check into the hotel, you get a storyline, and you are this. We need that for down now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's Austin land, kind of. You know, like, we need that. Yeah.
0: I like that. Oh, yeah. I've just noticed that that they don't have a tea house, but some nearby hotel is offering tea. Yeah. Like
2: this... Well, you should definitely go to that. You should definitely make, like, a whole thing of it.
0: Yeah, you can get afternoon tea separately for only $45. Jesus. <laughs> or you could
2: take you could just take your own little like picnic pail (laughs) like you could be like like daisy and william and just have like your jam in a basket (laughs)
0: that's right maybe i'll just set up right in the middle of the house and and do that (laughs) that would be great but um yeah i guess they i don't know if they've brought all the the sets or or what they've done honestly. Recreated them.
2: I, I don't know. You, this is again, like you, we well, are going to need to know every detail, have a notebook with you. Well, I need to know.
0: I'll, I'll have the full report for our next podcast. Um, and, uh, so if anyone else is listening from New York, you know, tweet, tweet at me, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um, so I think that wraps up another episode of Downton Gabby. Uh, if you've watched Godless, we would love to hear what you think about it. You can find us on Facebook at Downton Gabby. You can find us on Twitter at Downton Gabby. And you can find us on Tumblr at Downton Thank you so much. And we'll see you
3: next time. She was a big You just couldn't call her small. You can bet every Saturday night she'd be heading for the Legion Hall. Put her blue dress on and she'd curl her hair. Oh, she'd been waiting all week. With a bounce and a step and a wiggle in her walk, she'd be swinging down the street. You could tell she was ready by the look in her eyes. She slipped into the crowd. She walked. She entered the place, yeah. The big bone girl was proud. Now, people would come from miles around, gather there to dance. But when the big bone girl came shuffling in, she'd hold them in a trance. You could tell she was ready.